Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Glasgow Times News Podcast, normally recorded in our studio at the Bishop Briggs Media Centre, currently recorded from our volunteers' homes. To keep in touch with us, use our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, which are all at Q and Review. That's C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W. Or get in touch via information at qandreview.com. That's information at C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W.com. Please like and share our podcast and give us any constructive feedback. From the Glasgow Times, Monday the 18th of January 2021, from the news section, Blue Monday, seven feel-good news stories you might have missed last week, by Kieran Doody, UK trending editor. The COVID-19 pandemic has dominated the news for nearly a year and it's easy to feel bogged down by all of the doom and gloom. But on Blue Monday, considered the most depressing day of the year, it's worth remembering that there is still good news to be found. Here are seven uplisting stories from the past week which we hope will make you smile. Dog is reunited with its owner nine months after being stolen. The emotional moment when a Wakefield man was reunited with his pet dog who had been stolen nine months earlier was captured on video. Taylor Smith from Swindon bought White Staffordshire Bull Terrier Molly when she saw her being sold online. However, it wasn't until a few months later when her dog hurt her paw, it was discovered that she was microchipped. Her name was actually Storm and she had been stolen. Taylor contacted the microchipping company and the police and was eventually able to get in touch with Dean Allen, the dog's original owner. She said, When I spoke to Dean, he just crumbled. I have never heard someone sob so much. The two arranged to meet and Storm was reunited with her loving owner. Ovarian cancer treatment breakthrough. In a move which has been hailed as a major milestone, thousands of patients in England, newly diagnosed with advanced ovarian cancer, will have access to a drug treatment to delay the progress of the disease. Under new guidelines from the National Institute for Health and Care Excellence, NICE, Nirapirib will be available to those with stage 3 and 4 ovarian cancer from their first round of treatment. Previously, this treatment was only available to smaller pools of patients whose cancer had returned after treatment. Nirapirib is a type of targeted cancer medicine called a PARP inhibitor which works by stopping cancer cells from repairing themselves. It has also been shown to significantly delay progression of the aggressive cancer. The new NICE guidelines are expected to be implemented in Wales and Northern Ireland immediately, while a decision is predicted to be made in Scotland later this year. Fish return to the canals of Venice. On January 15th, Twitter user Helen Kennedy shared the video online, writing Remember at the start of the pandemic when everyone was awed by the return of a few fish to Venice suddenly two to three clean canals? Ten months later, the video shows the clean water of the canal full of fish. Runner saved dogs from drowning in frozen lake. An incredible video showed Darcy Pell smashing through the ice in Pontefract Park Lake in Yorkshire and rescuing a dog who appeared to have become stuck after falling through the ice. Pell manages to get the dog back on the edge of the lake and return it to its owners. Passerby, Paula Town, who posted the video online, said, What a hero. This complete stranger rescued this family's dog when he got in trouble in Pontefract Park. When we got to the lake... I could see the dog in the water. It was trying to get onto the ice but kept falling back in. I felt panic-stricken and scared the side of the lake for a boy, but I couldn't find one. Luckily that guy came along, he loaded himself into the water and the rest is in the video.
Results of new MS vaccine trials are encouraging. Researchers have been testing a new treatment for mice with multiple sclerosis, MS, like conditions, and results have been described as encouraging. The MS Trust said, In MS, the immune system mistakenly attacks and destroys the myelin. The aim of the study is to induce the immune system to tolerate myelin rather than attack it. The researchers found that when the mRNA was injected into mice with MS-like disease, the mice developed less severe disease than would normally occur. The research uses similar technologies to that of the two COVID-19 vaccines, the Pfizer-Bionetech vaccine and the Moderna vaccine, but in a different way. Instead of using a vaccine to prime the immune system to recognise and fight off infection, this approach uses the vaccine to teach the system to tolerate or ignore myelin, the MS Trust explained. While the treatment and the technology is still new, it is described as encouraging and that it shows potential. Leeds teens praised for spending 12 hours helping motorists stuck in snow. A pair of teenagers in Leeds have been praised by the community after spending more than 12 hours helping out residents who had become stuck in the snow. The two were spotted by Jess, who posted on social media about the boys. This lad is about 15 and he's been out since 9 this morning helping everyone that's stuck with a spade a g- with a girl with blue wellies on. I see teenagers getting a lot of judgement these days, but this lad is one of the many I've seen today helping people. A big well done if anyone knows him. Not the best picture on Windows Drive, but he's still there now. He's soaking wet through, getting an ambulance up. What a lovely lad. On the same day, a kind-hearted woman was seen giving out soup to stranded drivers in Rodley as the roads were blocked by snow. Twitter user at Dwarfland25 captured the image, posting on social media. There's an old lass giving out soup to drivers standing in the ring row at Broadley. Gridlock in all directions, definitely a day to hashtag stay at home today. New pill bottle technology for Parkinson's patients designed after TikTok collaboration. After a Parkinson's patient posted a video on TikTok about how difficult the packaging and his medication comes in is to use, a new pill bottle has been designed. A fellow TikTok user by the name of Brian Aldridge saw the original video and felt there had to be a better way. He learned to use Fusion 360, a 3D modelling tool, and in a few days had designed a pill container that would be easier for people with Parkinson's to use. The new container is cylindrical with a twisting bottom grip that users turn to receive a pill. However, Aldridge didn't have a 3D printer. When he asked for help, many other users of the social media app got involved in refining the design and 3D printing it. A final version was sent to the poster of the original video for feedback. The original designer is dedicated to keeping the product open source, free and cheap, so that anyone who needs one can get one. He reportedly has a patent attorney to ensure this, and the patent itself will be donated to the Michael J. Fox Foundation. And those articles were by Kieran Doody. From the Glasgow Times, date Monday the 18th of January 2021, from the news section, Glasgow Councillor Russell Robertson skips council meeting for Edinburgh pub crawl, by Stuart Patterson, political correspondent. A councillor who attended just two meetings in the last year was in the middle of a two-day pub crawl when he should have been logged on to an important gathering of the council. Russell Robertson, one of two independent group councillors, fulfilled the bare minimum of attending one meeting in six months before he would have lost his position. Pictures posted on Facebook show he was at an all-day drinking session in Edinburgh with his partner when councillors met virtually on September the 10th last year to discuss, amongst other issues, the recently imposed local lockdown for Glasgow, the impact of the pandemic on the nighttime economy, and the mental health impact of the pandemic on people in Glasgow. 
While 79 of 85 councillors attended, Mr Robertson and his partner were posting updates in social media, smiling with drinks from pubs in Edinburgh. Pictures, seen by the Glasgow Times, show he posted on September the 9th, the day before the full council meeting, a wee chit teddy bite before our two days holidays in Edinburgh, my last year's Christmas present from Bubba. Several posts from pubs in the capital followed, including Deacon Brodie's, the Jingling Geordie and the Balmoral. On September the 10th, the day of the full council, he and his partner posted updates from TGI Fridays, Thistle Street Bar and Boozy Cow in Edinburgh. He posted of a heavy drinking session, posting, Never again, I think someone spiked one of my 13 pints, or nine gins and three sambukas. New me. The following day, September 11th, he posted a picture in CC Blooms holding two pints of lager stating, one for the road. At the time, pubs were open but with restrictions and the COVID-19 advice was not to go in pub crawls. Nicholas Sturgeon said on September the 8th, the day before the councillor and his partner set off for Edinburgh. When you do go out, it's far better to stay in one pub than to visit several. If you spend time in three or four different bars, you're significantly increasing the number of people who could transmit COVID to you. Mr Robertson's attendance record shows he was present at a full council meeting in the city chambers in January last year and he logged into a video light meeting of this full council in July. He missed out other four meetings of the council in February, September, October and December. Mr Robertson, who was previously a Labour councillor and an SNP councillor, did not attend any of the East Area Partnership Committee meetings in 2020, the only committee he is required to attend. Last week, the Glasgow Times revealed how Tony Curtis, former Tory councillor, was sacked for failing to attend at least one meeting in six months. Mr Robertson only just met the requirement for the last two six-month periods, attending once in January last year and once in July. Mr Robertson left the SNP in April 2019, citing concerns about the leadership of Susan Aitken. He had previously left Labour in 2016 to join the SNP. As a councillor, he picks up a salary of £17,854. The Glasgow Times contacted Mr Robertson for comment, but they did not respond to our messages. And that article was by Stuart Patterson. From the Glasgow Times, date Monday the 18th of January 2021, from the comment and opinion section, Mike Daly, too little too late from tech giants who profited from hosting hate. By Mike Daly, columnist. This Wednesday, Joe Biden will be sworn in as the 46th President of the United States, while Kamala Harris will assume office as the 49th Vice President. As Wednesdays go, Americans have just had two consecutive ones that shocked and rocked their country to its foundations. On Wednesday, January the 6th, we witnessed the terrifying spectacle of Donald Trump his family and personal lawyer, inciting an armed mob to storm the Capitol building in Washington, D.C. It was the execution of all insurrection against the Constitution, election and U.S. system of government. Upon reflection, this shouldn't have surprised anyone. Trump had been perpetuating the barefaced lie and fraud for months that the 2020 election was being stolen from him. He lost the election fair and square. At last count, 60 or so of his legal challenges to state ballots were kicked out of court for want of credibility or evidence. The insanity of Trump's fraud in the US Constitution was a tyrannical belief that he could somehow stop Congress certifying electoral college votes on January the 6th through violence and intimidation. In reality, his army of thugs only delayed the count by a matter of hours. Last Wednesday, 
Trump has been impeached by the US House of Representatives for high crimes and misdemeanours in his incitement of seditious acts, all of which he continues to deny, despite evidence to the contrary coming out of his mouth and being broadcast on television. He is the only US President to be, in history to be impeached twice. For me, what was astonishing about the last Wednesday wasn't the fact that Trump was impeached again, but the sheer number of Republican House representatives who stood up to defend his indefensible behaviour. While many did so through fear of their own political skins, and some fearing for their lives and safety, this only confirms to- Trump's toxic legacy will take a long time to expunge. His legacy as president will be a grubby litany of lies and political fraud. A climate change denier, a COVID-19 pandemic liar, a monstrous man with less moral fibre than a mafia mob boss. History teaches us that the bigger the lie, the bigger the prize and the easier it can be to con people. Back in 193 AD, the Praetorian guards assassinated Emperor Pertinax and tried to sell the Roman Empire to the highest bidder. As far as go, this was a biggie. Julianus came up with a staggering amount of gold but was quickly deposed along with his false claim to the throne. Other great coin artists in history include George D. Parker, who'd sell various New York icons, including the Brooklyn Bridge, and Victor Lustig, who famously sold the Eiffel Tower twice. Scotland had its own top fraudster in the 19th century, Gregor MacGregor, invented and made up island of Poyas and sold fictitious property on his fake island and even traded in its phony, phony currency. Trump didn't just trade lies for the sake of power and wealth. His attack on Mexico and the claims that Mexican immigrants were all essentially criminals or rapists were central to his early days in office. His attack on Muslims. Latterly's attack on Chinese people as a scapegoat for COVID-19. The list is endless. In the UK, we witnessed similar blame games and lies during the ugly Brexit referendum. Stoking racism by falsely blaming all of your failures and woes on the European Union or foreigners. You reap what you sow, and make no mistake, the UK, with its own Britain Trump, is slowly learning how you get the government you deserve. The 21st century is one component that's difficult to pass historical frauds and cons. The power of mass communication through social media has been novel, brutal and devastating. The ability to manipulate and target people with fraudulent claims through access to their personal data is perhaps the greatest threat to our democracy at present. It is now indisputable this played a massive role with the Russian Federation interference in the 2016 US elections as well as the 2016 UK Brexit referendum. Social media giants provided a worldwide megaphone that enabled Trump to tell his lies with impunity for the last four years. Following the US insurrection this month, many tech giants, such as Twitter, Facebook, YouTube and others, have either been suspended or blocked content from Donald Trump and others propagating falsehood to continue the attack on US elections. Is it too little too late? Unquestionably. Is this a denial of free speech? No. Trump was able to conquer America because social media platforms gave him a free pass to disseminate hate and lies every single day. In that article is by Mike Daly. From the Glasgow Times, date Monday the 18th of January 2021, from the news section, Rab C. Nisbet star Elaine McKenzie Ellis, Tales of Glasgow Housing Hell. This piece is an exclusive by Jack Haw, multimedia reporter. She's used to making people smile and is one of the most famous faces on Glasgow's stage and screen scene. However, for Elaine Mackenzie Ellis, the past five years have been anything but a laughing matter after being plagued by damp in her northeast flat. The Rabsy Nesbit star, 
who has also appeared in Still Game and Sunshine and Leith, has told of her misery following a stream of problems in her Sight Hill home, which culminated in her bathroom floor collapsing 18 months ago. It's just a story of stupidity, the 54-year-old who lives with mum, Ishbel, 86, said. People are still paying full rent or factor fees but getting no service at all. When my mum and I moved in here five years ago, the bathroom smelled kind of damp and the plaster was flaking around the shower. It was looking a bit damp and mouldy. I called them in and they got an inspector who said there was nothing to see. He went away and a year later it was getting worse. There was black up inside the shower. I was initially renting but bought my flat and then around 18 months ago the floor collapsed in the bathroom. Just like that. Now, I'm not the smallest person in the world but I thought, holy moly, I can't go through the floor. On investigation, it emerged the shower had not been fitted correctly when the flat was first built. The tradesmen had never been an issue, but it's the higher-ups who have been the problem, Ms Ellis, who moved into the flat from now demolished site hill high-rises, said. That should never have happened, and it should never have passed inspection. They came out and fixed it all and that was fine, but then about six months ago I noticed there was water coming out of the shower again. I pulled up the flooring and noticed it has all soaked through and been that way for months. Thankfully it has not quite collapsed yet. To compound matters further, Lowther, which manages the property on behalf of Glasgow Housing Association, GHA, has focused on essential repairs during the pandemic, adding to the difficulty in getting the go-ahead for the dump to be cleared. A joiner has been out twice, who has been fantastic, but as he said he needs an inspector to come out, Ms Ellis said. I've heard them on the phone saying they need an inspector to come out, as they can't do any big work without it being authorised. Then, on Friday, they sent someone out after I complained again, but they sent a plumber. He came up and told me I needed a joiner and an inspector. I thought they were finally sending an inspector to get this all sorted. Then I was told they'd arrange for someone to come out on Monday, only to be later told no, no appointment had been made. They keep going on about the new Site Hill homes, but they are not managing the properties properly that are already there. The flats are great, as much as I miss the high flats, and it's a great community, but they've just dumped us here and cleared off. The foot soldiers have, all, have been always really good, but it's the ones, as always, higher up who are causing the problem. Ms Ellis's rotten luck hasn't stopped with her bathroom and, recently, she was sent bills from Scottish Garth for money owned, owed by GHA, although these were later passed on to the housing provider. Ms Ellis' case has been fought by Glasgow North East MP Anne McLaughlin, who said... This has been a long-running saga of poor service that has resulted in an unacceptable situation being dragged out for years. If this is how the Housing Association treats a confident and assured woman who knows her rights as a tenant, then I do worry about those that may not have the confidence to raise and pursue these matters and the conditions they may be left living in. A spokesman for Lowther promised to resolve any issues as soon as it is safe to do so. He said, we're sorry this owner has experienced these problems with her shower again. We repaired it last year and again this summer and responded to an emergency call out last week. We are arranging to call out, carry out a full investigation this week to establish the source of the problem. Although our focus at this time is on carrying out essential repairs only in line with current government restrictions, we'll resolve any issues identified through an inspection as soon as it is safe and that piece was an exclusive by Jack Hall. From the Glasgow Times, date Wednesday the 20th of January 2021, from the news section, Coronavirus hoax graffiti slammed in Drum Chapel. 
This piece is an exclusive by Maxine MacArthur, senior reporter. Drumchapel residents have blasted deplorable anti-coronavirus graffiti. The scrolls, which have appeared along Drumchapel Shopping Centre and near the area's park, state there is no COVID and urge residents to wake up. Social media users urge Glasgow City Council to remove the vandalism as a matter of urgency as it's offensive and disgraceful to medical staff battling to save lives amid the pandemic. One wrote, It's insulting to NHS doctors and nurses. It's understood similar graffiti has been spotted at the post office wall on Hakelet Avenue. The area's councillors were quick to condemn the scribbles, which sprawled across 200 metres. Councillor Paul Carey said, This is an absolute disgrace and an insult to the NHS and every family that has suffered from this terrible virus. I very much hope that the person or persons that are responsible for this takes a long hard look at themselves. I want to make crystal clear this kind of behaviour is totally irresponsible and I would urge those responsible to stop this as this message sends out false information and could cost lives. While Councillor Elspeth Kerr added, This graffiti is deplorable. If the people who have painted this in our community are lucky enough that they have not been affected by the impact of losing family and friends or seeing them suffer, then they're in the minority and I hope they never have to feel the loss that so many people now have. A council spokeswoman said, This was brought to our attention and yesterday staff removed the 200 metres of graffiti from in and around the Durham Chapel shopping centre. It beggars belief that there are individuals out there intent not only on upsetting those who have been ill or have lost loved ones to COVID-19, but putting everyone else at risk, including those working around the clock to fight the virus. The fact that so many people across the world have been affected by COVID-19 it's proof enough how real this pandemic is. We urge residents to continue to follow the guidance and to help keep everyone safe. And that piece was an exclusive by Maxine MacArthur. From the Glasgow Times, date Wednesday the 20th of January 2021, from the news section, COVID Scotland, new fast-spreading variant now dominant Nicholas Sturgeon Reveals by Jack Aitchison, Regional Audience and Content Editor, Scotland. Around two-thirds of all new cases in Scotland are found to have been from the new, faster-spreading mutant version of coronavirus, Nicholas Sturgeon confirmed yesterday. The First Minister made the revelations during her announcement to the Scottish Parliament confirming an extension of lockdown restrictions until mid-February. She pointed towards encouraging signs that current rules were working in slowing down the spread of the virus. However, it was important, firstly, to be cautious. What is different about the variant? Ms Sturgeon said the new, highly contagious variant of coronavirus which is believed to have first emerged in Kent in September, is now the dominant form in Scotland. She said around two-thirds of all new cases come from the new variant. This mutant strain is thought to be up to 70% more transmissible, with scientists advising the UK government in December that it could drive the R number up by around 0.4 points. The variant can be detected through PCR testing by looking for a proxy marker, in the various in the virus molecular code, known as the S gene dropout. Although not exact, it provides a good estimate of the variance prevalence with the overall coronavirus circulation. What did the First Minister say? Speaking to MSPs, the First Minister said, in the week to 14th of January, there was an average of around 1,900 confirmed new cases per day. This is an 18% reduction in the previous week. 
Test positivity has also declined slightly, as is the number of cases per 100,000 of the population. And, while the new, faster spreading variant is now the dominant one in Scotland, the proportion of new cases with the S gene dropout indicative of it appears to have stabilised at around two thirds. All of this is encouraging and a signal that the lockdown restrictions are working. However, Ms Sturgeon added that we need to be realistic in realising that any improvement in figures is a result of the current stay-at-home restrictions. She said, Any relaxation of lockdown or case numbers, even though they might be declining, nevertheless remain very high, could quickly send the situation into reverse. And that would further accelerate and intensify pressure on the NHS. As we have learned throughout this pandemic so far, the incubation period and infectious path of the virus means that the pressure on the NHS, in numbers being hospitalised and requiring intensive care, continues to increase for a period of, even after cases start to decline. In that article is by Jack Aitchison. From the Glasgow Times, date Wednesday the 20th of January 2021, from the news section, Improvements in Digital Learning Helping Homeschooling in Glasgow, by Katriona Stewart, columnist, reporter. For mum of four, Vonnie Sandlin, the lockdown experience from last year to this is like night and day. Vonnie and her husband Bob, both work full-time and are homeschooling two high school-aged children and one at primary, making for an exhausting time for the family. The one, small saving grace, she says, is none of the children are at senior phase of secondary. With the family's dining table turning into both an office and a school, Vonnie is grateful to the children's teachers for the efforts they've made to turn in-person lessons into digital classes. And another saving grace has been the mass iPad rollout to every secondary school pupil, teacher in P7 in Glasgow, more than 50,000 devices across the city. Vonnie said, From the lockdown last year when schools were closed to this time it's absolutely night and day experience. We are very fortunate, and we know we are fortunate that we are not a family with financial challenges. We both have decent jobs, but we didn't have a device per child. So the iPads have been a game changer. Nairn, 14, and Erica, 13, attend Rosehall Academy, while 11-year-old Greer is a pupil at Crookston Castle Primary School, while Volley's oldest son is 19. As well as the academic aspects of homeschooling, Vonnie is also alert to the emotional challenges faced by her children. She said, Not being at school with friends has been really, really tough for them. I can talk really positively about all the support that's in place, but the practical reality is they're in their second year of their whole lives being turned upside down. In March, the family went into lockdown a week early as one of the children had a cough, but she says that she believes with all her heart the pandemic would be contained and they would be able to visit her mum in America in April. The 38-year-old said, it was all so sudden. On the turn of a dice, the entire function of our schools had to, had to turn to online learning. At the last school closure, there was an offer there, but it wasn't cohesive. I was so stretched between trying to do my own job and homeschool, and by Easter it was a battle to get the kids up in the morning. They were trying to deal with the consequences of what was happening in their lives too, which was not easy. Now... From where we were a year ago to where we are now, they all have devices and a substantial amount of work and it is much more straightforward. Since the March lockdown last year and subsequent disruption to schools, teachers across the city have been creating bespoke plans to suit their school communities. Glasgow City Council sped up its digital learning programme to roll out iPads across the city and schools have signed up to additional apps to improve the quality of home learning. Primary pupils now have access to programmes such as Seesaw, Shobi and Google Classroom 
to set to work and supplement remote learning and uh, and packs sent home for pupils. Secondary schools are delivering live lessons over Teams. Training for teachers to deliver online lessons was being carried out during the first lockdown and since the schools returned in August 2020. All schools had blended learning plans that, in some schools, had already been put out to test for classes and pupils who had to self-isolate during the school term. The Scottish Government's £3.2 million digital inclusion money was used to buy iPads and support families with access to win. The Scottish Government's £3.2 million digital inclusion money was used to buy iPads and support families with access to Wi-Fi. Chris Cunningham, City Convener for Education, Skills and Daily Years, said schools acknowledge this is an anxious and challenging time for our families, schools and pupils. He said, Our schools know their families so well and it's a one-size-fits-all approach. It never is in Glasgow. This is not like the first lockdown, as our schools have been robust contingency and had learning plans that they have been developing since August. As we stressed in March, we are not expecting parents and carers to replicate lessons at the kitchen table. Learning happens in many different forms, and we know that families are also trying to juggle working at home commitments, so we are asking people to do the best they can. At Sandig Primary School, Teachers and pupils were already ahead with digital learning as pupils were completing homework on their iPads using the CISO app before the shutdown. Head teacher Geraldine Smith said the universal iPad rollout has made a huge difference at the Ballarnock School. She said, It was very good to get the devices out to all children because sometimes families don't want to tell you they don't have the equipment at home or don't want to accept help. After the first week of homeschooling, Geraldine surveyed parents for the feedback on the school's remote classes. Lessons were organised to be uniform across the school so that parents with pupils at different stages wouldn't have to monitor two types of work at once. And the day was, was strictly timetabled. The head teacher said, Overwhelmingly, parents were saying having the whole day totally timetabled was too much. So now mornings are totally planned and then in the afternoons, children do a chosen topic. So they're still in a timetable, but families have the freedom to fit around the day if they're working and it's difficult to keep up. Every morning is literacy, numeracy and health and well-being with a breadth of choices across the afternoon. Maintaining normalcy through carrying out school traditions is also important. So this year's Sandig's annual Burns Night Poetry Competition is moving online. The shift to digital learning has been a whole school effort too, with support staff asking to be added to computer systems so they could comment on children's work and encourage their efforts. Geraldine said, Teachers have shown a real commitment to our children and our school and have really put themselves out there. Vonnie was also quick to praise the efforts of our children's teachers. There's a lot of recognition from the community around both schools about just how much effort has gone on behind the scenes, she said. Our teachers have been absolutely magnificent. Absolute superstars, the lot of them. And that article is by Catriona Stewart. From the Glasgow Times, Date Wednesday the 20th of January 2021 from the news section. John Swinney brands Neil Lennon's Celtic Dubai trip defence appalling by Jack Haw, multimedia reporter. John Swinney has branded Celtic manager Neil Lennon's claims criticism of the club's Dubai trip was politically motivated, appalling. The Deputy First Minister said he was lost for words after hearing the Parkhead Supremo's explosive news conference on Monday. It was the first time Lennon had spoke publicly 
Since his troops returned from their winter training camp, during which he took aim at the media, politicians and rival football clubs, accusing some of rank hypocrisy, Celtic have been widely criticised for the trip to the Middle East, which culminated in defender Christoph Julian testing positive for COVID-19 and a number of players and staff, Lennon included, having to self-isolate. Speaking on Radio Scotland today, Mr Swinney, who had previously criticised the club for the trip, was asked what he thought about the comments. The Education Secretary said, I am at a loss for words. I said a few weeks ago that it was a bad idea for Celtic to go to Dubai for this trip. It was not a great signal. I have no ill will towards Neil Lennon whatsoever, but I think his comments were appalling. Earlier this month, First Minister Nicola Sturgeon shared her concerns about the trip to Dubai with the Scottish Government, SPFL and Celtic, all trading heated words over the team's permission for it. This ultimately led to an apology from the club's chief executive, Peter Peter Lowell. But on Monday, Lennon refused to apologise to anyone except the fans. As well as taking aim at Sky Sports pundit Andy Walker, he accused many of looking in the club in a different light compared to the Scotland national team's post-Serbia celebrations or MP Margaret Ferrier's alleged rule-breaking trip from London to Glasgow. Lennon said... I think that is remarkable and blows out of the water the way the trip has been portrayed by certain quarters of the media, by certain pundits and by certain government officials as well. We did not abuse any privilege. We did the right things. We were totally professional. We had a little drink in the afternoon and the day off, completely allowed, no law-breaking. But we come back to this barrage of absolute hypocrisy. And that piece was by Jack Hall. From the Glasgow Times, date Wednesday the 20th of January 2021, from the news section, Loch Lomond kayaker fined after travelling from Airdrie during lockdown, by Ross Hanvidge, senior reporter. A man from Airdrie was issued with a fixed penalty by police after allegedly going kayaking in Loch Lomond during lockdown. Officers received a report of a person kayaking at Aldochley near Luss on Thursday, January 7th. Police say a parked vehicle at the location was found to be registered to an address in the North Lanarkshire town and that the vehicle's owner returned ashore at around 5.30pm. The kayaker was identified as a 25-year-old man and police issued him with a fixed penalty, while he was also charged with breaching COVID-19 travel restrictions. Police say there have been high levels of compliance overall with COVID rules in the area, but that they will utilise enforcement powers when required in the event of significant breaches being discovered. And that piece was by Ross Hanvidge. From the Glasgow Times, Date Friday the 22nd of January 2021, from the news section. Glasgow City Council defends three-week bin collection. This piece is an exclusive by Maxine MacArthur, senior reporter. A controversial religious bin collection being rolled out across Glasgow is working well, the SNP has insisted. Despite fierce criticism from the GMB union, Glasgow City Council maintains that it's early evidence to suggest a new three-weekly refuge collections is performing as officers hoped. As previously reported, main door properties in the northeast of the city had green bin pickups reduced from every fortnight in October. The move, which will be rolled out across the city in the next few months, was part of a bid by the local authority to encourage a rise in recycling efforts an area in which Glasgow is currently trailing behind other Scottish cities. Councillor Anna Richardson, City Convener for Sustainability and Carbon Reduction, said, The early evidence tells us that three weekly curbside collections for general waste are working as we hoped they would. 
That is good for both the environment and the city's finances. There is already less waste going into the general bins and greater use made of the recycling bins. At the same time as the amount of food waste being recovered has gone up significantly, we are also seeing more dry recyclables like plastic bottles and tin cans in blue bins. The collection changes only occur to green bins. Blue and brown crates continue to be picked up every two weeks, while purple bins, which are used for glass collection, are lifted every eight weeks. However, as previously reported, the move has been met with anger from residents who claim bins have been left to overflow. Branch 40 of the GMB Union launched its Streets of Shame campaign in response to the rollout, which, it claimed, was partly responsible for turning the city's streets into a war zone filled with litter, which was contributing to problems with vermin. Meanwhile, residents in Rob Royston, which is part of the initial pilot area, experienced teething problems when the project began last year. The new calendar illustrating collection dates for the change was branded confusing as it appears to show it would be four weeks before the green bin was picked up during the first transitional month. Speaking at the time, a spokesman for the council said residents should follow their previous bin schedule while additional resources were brought in to ensure a smooth changeover to the three-week collections. Councillor Richardson added, Just as important, there has been a reduction in the amount of recyclables being rejected for reprocessing. That suggests that people in North East Glasgow are thinking more about recycling and how they dispose of their waste. This is giving us confidence that when we roll out the changes to curbside collections across the city, we know that the system will work in Glasgow as it has for other local authorities. And that piece was an exclusive by Maxine MacArthur. From the Glasgow Times, date Friday the 22nd of January 2021, from the news section, Inside the Covid wards, nurses and patients speak out about the life in Glasgow's super hospital. This article is an exclusive by Katriona Stewart, columnist reporter. Labouring to breathe, Alan Jackson has spent his first night in hospital, having been brought by ambulance the night before. The 61-year-old is shocked to find himself in the SATA ward and, while other patients are too unreal to be approached, Alan wants his case to stand as a warning to others. He had no symptoms so was surprised to be contacted by Test and Protect and even more surprised when a test came back positive. Tuesday was his 10th day of isolation and he expected to be back to normal. Instead, his condition deteriorated and his worried sister-in-law told him to phone the emergency services. He said, I had severe aches in my side, back, head, heaviness in my chest. I couldn't sit. I couldn't lie. My sister-in-law said to phone NHS 24, but I decided not to do it. We wait while Alan coughs, catches his breath. He adds, I went for a doze and when I woke up, my breathing, it just wasn't good. I phoned the ambulance and the paramedics came out and checked my blood saturation, which was low, and that's how I ended up in here. Here is the specialist assessment and treatment area of the Queen Elizabeth University Hospital, until last year the surgical receiving ward. Now, thanks to the volume of coronavirus patients, the long corridor-like unit, with private rooms off to each side, is where new patients are assessed. Alan, who was otherwise fit and well, is a limousine driver for a funeral company and believes he caught the virus from a colleague. Others in the ward are too unwell to be interviewed, but Alan is determined to speak out. He added, It makes you realise that this virus doesn't take any prisoners. No matter how strong you are or what age you are, it will just go for you. If it can find a way in, it will go for you. And people have to start taking it seriously. The 30-bedded unit is usually full and, despite the physical and emotional pressures on staff, the ward feels calm and under control. SATA is a sea of blue scrubs and blue masks, but here and there there are bright pops of colour from knitted mask extenders that members of the public donated during last year's wave of support for the NHS.
Nurse Petra Gladwin is in the first year of the job and what a baptism of fire. Petra qualified in September 2019 and began working on the surgical receiving ward, staying when it was repurposed as the as SATA. In the start, she says, I was scared. But if we're all scared, then who's going to look after the patients? So we just motivate ourselves and get on with it. Listening to Petra calmly detail the work of the nurses on her ward, that they stay motivated is a wonder. With visitors severely limited, nurses are also a friend and comforter to their patients. And some really need that additional support with the frightened patients becoming, at times, extremely distressed. The volume of people coming in means there can be times when patients required to move, but there is nowhere to send them. Petra says the sudden deaths are the most difficult to cope with. It is emotional, she says. You see patients coming in and they are quite unwell with COVID, but not to the extent of dying. Then they just deteriorate and you've got to phone their family members and let them know that this is their end. And we have seen that quite a lot. Phoning the family and explaining this has happened is quite distressing because they are not able to see their family members and you're telling them that they are near the end of their life. Technology helps with FaceTime calls used to keep patients and family members in touch. Among the other innovations hospitals have come up with to keep patients and their families connected is the Give and Go service. Staffed by volunteers, the drop-off point at the main atrium acts as a lifeline between loved ones. People and friends simply hand over items, from the essentials to treats that make their hospital life a little easier, and the volunteers safely transfer them to the patient. In among the bleakness, the service has also provided light relief at times as family members try to sneak in contraband, from cigarettes and alcohol to a 55-inch TV. Petra is exasperated with people who still don't take the threat of the virus seriously. She said, It's sad when you look around and see people who believe that Covid is not there. It is real and it's affected family members we have seen. We're overstretched and it's really challenging. People are dying in a way that they shouldn't be happening. I wish people would take it seriously. Through the double doors and after a change of mask, is the acute receiving ward where patients who have come through a e are assessed and sent to a suitable ward or discharged. With 24 years experience under her belt, it is no small thing when Heather Scotland says the past year has been the most challenging of her career. There are a mix of COVID and non-COVID patients in acute receiving, so staff are alerted to the importance of PPE. Cleaning trolleys with fresh masks, Gloves and other vital items are dotted along the corridor. The pressure at the moment, with the usual winter increase in the, the second wave of COVID-19, is immense and evenings are spent collapsed with a cup of tea. You are exhausted, she says, but at the end of the day you come into nursing to be able to care for patients. You put on your uniform and it's like you take a whole new persona. You take on the care of your patients and you become secondary to that. The word motto is, it make, takes teamwork to make the dream work, and the number of thank you cards around the walls make it clear the motto is working. One patient is gravely ill and there's a hush around a closed door. A door opens to another room and an elderly patient insists she wants to go for a walk outside. A nurse calmly and gently persuades the woman back into her room where it's safe. Staff, Heather says, are worried about the second wave. They worry about catching the virus and, worse, taking it home to their families. Staffing pressures are greater now too. In the first wave we had additional staffing, she says. Staff who were brought in from clinics, we had additional students who were being in extended placements. We don't have that this time round and we're having to run short. So we're having to run that high level of care with religious support, so it's a lot more challenging. Heather says more people are presenting with mental health struggles and alcoholism. 
She remembers last year's clap for carers as a humbling experience, but wants people to show their support now by following the government's facts guidelines. Heather said, The best way they can support us is by adhering to the guidelines and rules and following the facts. That's the best way to establish whether we have that public support. But when you're seeing so many people out when they shouldn't be, we still don't have enough of the support we need. And that piece was an exclusive by Cachiona Stewart. From the Glasgow Times, date Friday the 22nd of January 2021, from the news section, just one fly-tipping fine in six months sparks claim Govan Hill is being failed. By Drew Sandilands, local democracy reporter. Only one fly-tipping fine was handed out in Govan Hill in the final six months of 2020, leading community representatives to claim the area is being failed. A public health officer at Glasgow City Council revealed a single fixed penalty notice was issued between July and December. But residents say tons of rubbish is dumped on the streets of the south side neighbourhood. It was also claimed landlords and factors should do more to explain the rules to tenants. Andy Carberry of Cross Hill and Govan Hill Community Council said Between July and December, there will have been hundreds of tons of fly tip refuse lifted out of Govan Hill. Would you agree that one fine would indicate there is a serious feeling somewhere here? The people of Govan Hill are being failed. Speaking at the Southside Central Area Partnership, he added Every day you can walk down Allison Street or any other street in Govan Hill and there's guaranteed to be bulk refuse tipped there. People in Govan Hill are getting really fed up with it. They're getting back to the community council and saying that no one is doing anything. It's hard to argue with that. It's hard to stick up for services when you don't see any improvement in the area whatsoever. The public health officer said fly tipping is high on her agenda and her team monitors the issue on a proactive basis where our resources allow. She wants to see a boots on the ground approach saying it is very difficult to enforce unless we're getting eyewitness accounts on where it's coming from. Sufficient corroborated evidence is needed to take enforcement action, the officer added. That's where the problem lies. It is very difficult to enforce unless we're getting eyewitness accounts on where it's coming from. A report outlining a proactive strategy to tackle the issue across the city has been submitted to senior managers. Campaigners from Tenants Union Living Rent and the GMB Union recently held a day of action in Govan Hill, collecting more than 100 bags of rubbish and calling for long-term solutions to fly-tipping and litter issues. Councillor Marie Hunter said landlords and factors must also play their part. Most people will feel that proactive approach must include landlords and factors as well, she said. They've got a huge role to play and they've got a responsibility, which most of them evade. It's not simply up to the council or the community council to explain to people what to do. A private lane strategy has also been rolled out by the council, providing a toolkit to advise owners on how to refurbish their back lanes. Ms Hunter said residents do not always understand that the lane is their property. Bailey Soria Sadiq said, There are ongoing issues around fly-tipping in Govan Hill, including issues in private lanes. I have requested some examples of best practice from the city with a view to improving maintenance of lanes and preventing fly-tipping. And that article is by Drew Sandilands. From the Glasgow Times, date Friday the 22nd of January 2021, from the news section, Kimberly O'Hare, Renfrewshire schoolgirl found safe and well after frantic search, by Jack Hall, multimedia reporter. A schoolgirl who went missing from Renfrewshire has been found. Police have confirmed Kimberly O'Hare was traced safe and well in the early hours of this morning. The 15-year-old had gone missing from her eldersly home yesterday, with officers launching a plea to find her. However, a police spokesman has now revealed she has been found. 
and that piece was by Jack Hall. From the Glasgow Times, date Friday the 22nd of January 2021, from the news section, organ donation, people urged to make decision on donation known ahead of Scottish law change, by Ruth Souter, multimedia journalist. NHS Greater Glasgow and Clyde have backed a Glasgow Times campaign that will change Scottish law around organ donation. From March 26th, Scotland will move to an opt-out system of organ and tissue donations to help save and improve lives. The change in law means that if people are aged 16 or over have not recorded a decision about donation, then they will be considered as an eligible donor if they die in circumstances in which they are deemed healthy enough to donate. NHS Greater Glasgow and Clyde is encouraging people to make that decision known by recording it on the NHS Organ Donor Register and making family aware of the choice. Professor Kevin Rooney, consultant in anaesthesia and intensive care medicine, said Organ donation isn't something that comes up in everyday conversation, but ahead of the law changing, we're encouraging people to make time to think about what they'd want to happen and share it. Your name will not be on the NHS Organ Donor Register until you record a decision. Everyone has a choice about whether or not they want to donate and the best way to make it known is by recording it on the register and telling those close to you. And that article is by Ruth Sutter. And that was this week's Glasgow Times News Podcast, normally recorded in our studio at the Bishop Briggs Media Centre currently recorded from our volunteers' homes with the publisher's kind permission. Thanks for listening.